As president, John Kennedy looked at LBJ with a mixture of respect, empathy, amusement, and annoyance. Robert Kennedy, as attorney general, detested LBJ, but not Jackie. Johnson scarcely met Mrs. Kennedy's standards of stylishness, but she'd always felt comfortable with older men. When LBJ became vice president, she empathized with his predicament. One moment he had dominated the Senate, the next he held a very peripheral role in her husband's administration. As you'll hear, Johnson responded to Jackie with a courtly flirtatiousness. On November 22, 1963, Lyndon Johnson and Jacqueline Kennedy became the two chief survivors of one of the searing dramas of American history. The day after John Kennedy's funeral, Jackie wrote the new president from the White House that the greatest act of a gentleman that I had seen on this earth was how LBJ, who was majority leader when Jack came to the Senate as just another little freshman, could serve as vice president for a man who had served under you and been taught by you. On December 1st, 1963, LBJ scrawled to Jackie, You have been magnificent and have won a warm place in the heart of history. I only wish things could be different, but I didn't have to be here. You have for now and for always our warm, warm love. The next afternoon from the Oval Office, LBJ calls Jackie on the telephone. She's still staying with her children upstairs in the White House. She has no idea that Johnson is taping their conversation. As the conversation begins, Jackie mentions that she's given Kenny O'Donnell of the White House staff a message for LBJ. Mr. President? I just wanted you to know you were loved and by so many and so much. Oh, Mr. I'm President. one of them. I tried. I didn't dare bother you again, but I got Kenny O'Donnell over here to give you a message. If he ever saw you, did he give it to you yet? No. About my letter? That was waiting for me last night. Listen, sweetie, now, the first thing you got to learn, you got some things to learn, and one of them is that you don't bother me. You give me strength. But I wasn't going to send you in one more letter, and I was don't just scared you'd answer. Don't send me anything. You just come over and put your arm around me. That's all you do. When you haven't got anything else to do, let's take a walk. Let's walk around the backyard, and uh, oh. just let me, let me tell you how much you mean to all of us, and how we can carry on if you give us a little strength. You know what I want to say to you about that letter? I know how rare a letter is in a president's handwriting. Do you know that I've got more in your handwriting than I do in Jack's now? Oh, and for you to write it at this time and then to send me that thing today of, you know, your tape announcement and everything... I want you to just know this, that I told my mama a long time ago, when everybody else gave up about my election in 48, yeah. my mother and my wife and my sisters and you females got a lot of courage that we men don't have. And so we have to rely on you and depend on you, and you got something to do. Uh, you got the president relying on you, and this is not the first thing you had. So, so there are not many women, you know, running around with a good many presidents. So you just, uh, you just bear that in mind, and you've got the biggest job of your life. He ran around with two presidents. That's what they'll say about me. <laughs> okay, any time. Goodbye, bye. Thank you for Bye-bye. calling, Mr. President. Bye, Goodbye. Sweetie. Do come back. I will. 
The Cape announcement that Jackie referred to was about Johnson's decision to rename Cape Canaveral as Cape Kennedy. This was in response to Jackie's request that he do something to honor JFK's leadership of the American space program. Years later, the decision was reversed on grounds that Canaveral was one of the oldest place names in North America. In a 1974 oral history interview done for the Johnson Library, Jackie said that by then she realized it was so wrong to rename the site. She said, If I'd known Cape Canaveral was the name from the time of Columbus, it would have been the last thing that Jack would have wanted. In the same interview, Jackie reminisced about LBJ. She said, The man had incredible warmth, didn't he? I almost felt sorry for him because I knew he felt sorry for me. I think the situation gave him pain, and he tried to do the best he could, and I was really touched by that generosity of spirit. I always felt that way about him. Now it's Saturday, December 7, 1963. Jackie and her children have moved out of the White House and into the Georgetown house of JFK's Assistant Secretary of State, Averill Harriman. When LBJ calls Jackie, he is straining to comfort the distraught widow, but he's also trying to make sure that she stays friendly with him. He is justifiably worried that Robert Kennedy, whom she adores, might turn her against him. Johnson knows that many Americans view him as an interloper, thrust into the office of a hero who was killed in his home state. LBJ wants the public to see him on close terms with Jackie and her children. He wants her to be photographed by his side at White House state dinners and ceremonies. He hopes to encourage Caroline and John to treat him as a kind of surrogate father. Caroline's school will continue to meet on the third floor of the White House until Christmas. LBJ refers to John Kennedy Jr. as John John. He doesn't realize that Jackie Kennedy hates that nickname. In the call you're about to hear, LBJ prods the widow to visit him at the White House. But for Jackie, the idea is torture. These days, she asks her driver to avoid driving down streets from which she might even glimpse the White House. Johnson has the recorder turned on after this conversation begins. Jackie is asking about his first press conference, given that day, an informal session in the Oval Office. When they discuss the Johnson family's first night in the White House, Jackie suggests that the three Johnsons should sleep in the same room. She's referring to LBJ, Lady Bird, and Lucy Baines, the Johnson's 16-year-old younger daughter. The Johnson's older daughter, Linda Bird, 19, is at the University of Texas. Tonight, will it be in the news? It might be. I don't know. I, no, I just had them come in the office, and they just sat around while I was drinking coffee, and I don't know whether they even took TV of it or not. I guess they did. They had some shining stuff in my eyes, but I don't imagine it's worth being on. Oh, good, because I thought it might have been one of those things that went on while you were doing it. Now, did it keep you busy all day? Oh, listen, I just collapsed. I have gotten out of bed. Your picture was gorgeous, and uh, you had that chin up and that chest out, and you looked so pretty when marching in the front page of the New York Daily News today, and uh, I think they had the same picture in Washington. And little John John and Carolyn, they're wonderful, too. Have you seen the Daily News, the New York Daily News? 
Uh, no, but I haven't seen anything today except the post because I've just sort of collapsed. But they're all downstairs. Well, you look at the New York Daily News. I'm looking at it now. And I just came, sat at my desk and started signing a lot of long things. And I decided I want to flirt with you a little bit. How sweet. And I read, were you, were you sleep in the White House tonight? <laughs> I guess so. I'm afraid to. Oh. <laughs> I'm afraid. You don't know. all three sleep in the same room because it's the worst yeah. your first night. Darling, you know what I said to the Congress? I'd give anything in the world if I would do it in here today. <laughs> well, listen, oh, it's going to be funny because the rooms are all so big. You all get lost, but anyway. You want to come back see me? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> Someday I will. Someday. But anyway, take a big seat. Aren't you going to bring, aren't you going to bring, uh, you know what they do with me? They just keep, uh, my, they just, like taking a hypo. They just stimulate me. I just get uh, every idea I'd ever had in my life comes back. And I start thinking new things and new roads to conquer. And you know, So I can't, sleeping pill won't put me to sleep. It just wakes me up. But if I know that you're going to come back to see me some morning when you bring your kid to school and I... First time you do, please come and walk. Let me let me walk down okay. to the seesaw with you, like it's like old times. I will, Mr. Okay, darling. Give Caroline and John John a hug for me. I Tell will. them I'd like to be their daddy. I will. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Now Jackie and her children have gone to Palm Beach for Christmas, 1963. Before Jackie left, Lucy Johnson brought over Christmas presents, including a toy ride-around fire engine. John Kennedy Jr. Jackie had also sent LBJ a note saying that when she came to the White House to see Caroline's kindergarten play, she had planned to say goodbye to him and give him a Christmas present. Then she had read that Johnson was to be in New York that day. She wrote that she promised on her return to watch your schedule for what looks like a not-too-busy day. Then, she said, I will come and say hello to you as you suggested. Jackie's offer to punish herself by returning to the White House is testimony to her respect for her public role and her appreciation for the Johnson's kindnesses after the assassination. At the end of this conversation with LBJ and Lady Bird, Jackie raises the possibility of returning to the White House to get a vitamin shot from Dr. Janet Travell, who had been one of John Kennedy's doctors. Hello? Hello? Jackie? Mr. President? I love you. Aren't you sweet? Where are you? You just skipped away from this town. I ought to have had you arrested. But I'm just so mad at myself. Yeah, well, you ought to be mad. I, you almost made me mad at you leaving without coming by and hugging me and telling me goodbye. Yeah, but did you get my nose? Yes, I did, didn't I? I talked to Lady Bird. I thought that was stupid. Well, I, I miss you, and I'm thinking of you, and I know your Christmas won't be what it ought to be, but I wish that I could make it happier. Oh, well, you're so nice. If you know something, Lucy Baines was so sweet when she brought those presents over. Well, uh... She broke that fire engine around for two hours. Broke all the house and furniture. Well, you might as well. I appreciate my book so much. Here's a little girl who wants to tell you hello. Okay. Jackie? Oh, Lady Bird? Yes. How are you? Oh, neat. In all sorts of uh, decisions and unpacking and things and and the and the and the recalcitrant Congress and so forth, but uh, also ready to go home and see kin folks and sit by the fine tale tales. Yeah. 
Well, we were going home tomorrow night at, uh, immediately after lighting the Christmas tree, but now it's uncertain. I see. Oh, since poor Lady Grid with everything else you have, you, you just hit that place at Christmas time. <laughs> just in front of Mr. Earhart. I hope that you have, well, that the, the children are gay and happy and that the weather's beautiful and that you get some rest. Oh, you're so nice, Lady Grid. keeping in touch with how Jackie is doing by calling Jane Reitzman, one of Jackie's closest friends. Lady Bird's mention of Mr. Erhard refers to German Chancellor Ludwig Erhard, who was about to visit the Johnsons at their ranch. Erhard's visit had originally been scheduled to be with the Kennedys, including a state dinner on November 25, 1963. That day turned out to be the day of John Kennedy's funeral. Two days before Christmas, LBJ overplays his hand. During an interview with four woman reporters in the cabinet room, he once again calls Jackie in Palm Beach. Without informing her, he lets the newswomen eavesdrop on his end of the conversation to show off how close he is to JFK's widow and children. Jackie's guarded responses suggest that she realizes that something strange is going on. Why else would Johnson call her again, after having wished her goodbye and Merry Christmas just two days earlier? I hope that you are doing all right. Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, this Congress is getting pretty rough up here, and I may have to send for you before it gets through. I hope you get home for Christmas, will you? I don't know. Well, uh... It's so nice to call me, Mr. President, because you must be out of your mind with work piled up. I, I have a, a few things to do, but not anything that I enjoy more than what I'm doing now. Oh, you're nice. How's my, how my little girl? She's fine, and John just set off this awful jet plane with the noise you hear in the background. <laughs> well, tell him hello, and I wish all of you a Merry Christmas, and I wish I could do something to make it happier for you. Oh, no, you're 